Hello, and welcome to Public Key, the new podcast from Chainalysis. This is your host, Ian Andrews. This week, we have a new first for the podcast. We recorded this episode live from our New York City studio. I'm joined by my colleague and podcast favorite, Kim Grauer, who has some new research on crypto mixers. Funds going to mixers in 2022 have doubled over last year. Kim and I cover how mixers are used in the crypto ecosystem and how very nearly all of the funds going to mixers originate from illicit sources. We also discuss recent law enforcement action against mixers. For even more detail on this topic, we also published a blog, and that's linked in the show notes. Today, I am joined again, one of my favorite guests, Kim Grauer. Kim, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me today. Kim, funny story this week, someone actually recommended that you should join me full-time as co-host Public Key. What do you think about that? I'm so ready. I have so many ideas. It's There's an endless number of things that we can talk about, data points that we have. I want to have a weekly data point that we talk about. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> We're going to have to make this happen. I love this idea. Take some pressure off me as the primary host if I had a good collaborator here. And I'm good at interrogating people for information that they have that then I can then use as inspiration for research. <laughs> oh boy. That's a little scary. <laughs> well, so this week we've got a new blog coming out. It's a pretty interesting topic. Give us the headline. We're talking about mixers this week. In this blog, we talk about what mixers are. You'll learn that there's different types of mixers. We learn that mixing activity is on the rise. The amount of money received by mixers is way higher now than it was one year ago. We're talking weekly values of $50 million in some instances flowing to mixers. And also the amount of money flowing from illicit wallets, most notably North Korean attackers using mixers to launder money is reaching all-time highs as well. This is a pretty interesting statistic because we're also seeing kind of the collapse of asset prices over the last few months. So I think almost a compounding of the USD value means we've got a lot more funds hitting mixers. Because what was our stat last year? So 50 million a week is what we've seen recently hitting mixers. What's the equivalent number from last year? Last year, we were seeing a 20 million weekly hitting. Yeah. And, you know, it's a really changes week to week. And sure. it also really depends if there's a big hack that carried out by North Korea and suddenly a lot of money needs to be moved, then the value will spike. But we're looking at less than 20 million in early 2021 and peaking at 50 million in 2022. So maybe for the folks in the audience who haven't looked closely at mixers before, like the basic idea here is I steal some money and then I want to break the on-chain traceability of funds. So I send the money to a mixer and then the mixer sends it to another wallet that is is not associated in most cases with the other wallet. So it's it's hard to go use like a block explorer like Etherscan and be able to follow the funds. Is that the basic idea? That's exactly right. It's about entering a mixer with funds from a certain source and leaving with a disconnect with that source of funds essentially disconnected. So you enter a mixer with illicit funds, you'll leave with clean funds in theory. And so this seems like a tool that ideal for criminals trying to launder money. Is there any legitimate use case around mixers? There definitely are legitimate reasons 
to use mixers, I think that you'll get into some philosophical discussions about what the extent to which that's true. But we were talking with some Chainalysis folks before uh, about legitimate use of mixers. And if you're privacy oriented, you might want to use a mixer to protect your privacy, especially maybe if you're a public figure and you want to retain your privacy as much as possible. And I can imagine other cases too, where you don't necessarily want to have direct association to source of funds. Let's say that you're a prolific gambler, entirely legal, but you may not want that widely known to say your bank. And so transferring funds directly from a gambling platform into a banking platform, not something that you want to do. No, I actually do see funds going from gambling sites to mixers and not small amounts. So I think that that holds true. But then you would also have the question of, we know that gambling sometimes is used for money laundering as well. (laughs) And so it kind of cascades on itself. So... Well, and I think that the implication here is like privacy is generally something that comes with a responsibility of the platforms that are operating these services to validate that they're not being abused for criminal activity. So whether that's the gambling site conducting KYC checks and validating source of funds on the way in and destination of funds on the way out or the mixers themselves, like it does seem like there's a way that this could be operated in a way that isn't specifically about facilitating facilitating criminal activity, but does still afford people a mechanism for privacy. What do you think? We aren't aware. We don't know of any mixers right now that run those KYC checks on individuals who choose to use the mixer. It's it's definitely possible in theory. And a mixer is just like any other business and can take advantage of the tools available to it to ensure KYC and to remain compliant and to stay above board and to prevent funds that are illicit moving through that mixer. Technically possible. But it seems like right now, the vast majority of mixers definitely not doing that because we're seeing lots of stolen funds, including funds from sanctioned entities flowing through these mixers in large volume. Like that's driving a lot of the surge, right? Last quarter, about 30% of all the source of funds received by mixers came from illicit sources. If we look at every single category that we have our eyes on, exchanges, peer-to-peer platforms, gambling platforms. The largest share of funds sent to mixers is in that illicit category. Mixers really do facilitate money laundering, especially for more advanced actors like your nation state actor. We know about the use of mixers by Hydra, for example. If we look at all of the funds received by mixers that came from sanctioned entities, over half is from Hydra. One major trend that I've been seeing with mixers and been talking about is in 2015, 2016, mixers were used by darknet market admin or people who were sending money to and from darknet markets. Now we're seeing mixers are used by North Korea, by major sanctioned entities, by Russia, by individuals who are engaging in ransomware attacks. It's a much more sophisticated portfolio of people that are using mixers. And we could talk all day about why that is, but it's definitely something that is facilitating criminal activity for some more advanced, serious types of crime. 
our favorite topic these seems like these last couple quarters has been Lazarus Group out of North Korea. We can look at the way North Korea has used mixers and actually, for that matter, laundered money over the years. What was once money sent through hundreds of transactions to low KYC services, now we see just funds heading directly into mixers yeah. through so many transactions, but it's not the end goal. You don't yeah. just hit a mixer and then you call it a day. That's one step in what could be many steps of the laundering process, but sure. it's certainly the first step for this organization. Now, we have seen law enforcement seems to have picked up on the significance of mixers in the illicit side of the cryptocurrency ecosystem, because there's been some action taken on a number of these mixers. Can you talk about some of the history there? Well, we've seen Blender.io has been sanctioned, which is the first time we've seen sanctioning of an actual mixer. And I think that's fascinating because it shows how far we've come as industry to have law enforcement sanctioning certain addresses in a mixer shows that they know how significant this is and how we have to be on top of understanding mixers. But that's not the only action taken against mixers. We've also got Helix was penalized in 2020 for operating an unregistered money service business. This kind of has to do with law enforcement being aware of mixers and also trying to regulate them and answering these questions of how would we and can we regulate mixers and should we regulate them? I thought that was fascinating that FinCEN, so the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, has actually declared that mixers are money transmitters. And therefore, they have the same KYC, know your customer, and transaction monitoring requirements that a cryptocurrency exchange would have. And I guess that gives basically a statute to law enforcement to prosecute anyone operating a mixer, right? It's that, oh, you're running an unlicensed money transmitter business. A funny application of the law to me. Lots of money going through these different mixers. You see certain mixers become popular and then you'll see the actions taken against them and then they'll decline in activity. And we can see all this in real time in our product, which is very exciting to see just how quickly criminals adopt their behavior. How do these mixers make money? Do we know? They take a fee and they take different fees. And that's actually interesting. Some mixers will offer differential fees at random in order to maybe to obfuscate detection by companies. But the key source of revenue for them is definitely the fees that they offer. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do some of them have their own tokens? As an example, has like their own governance token? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard about that as well. I don't know much about it, but there's no reason why these services operating as businesses don't want to partake in all of the The innovations. If most people use a mixer are somehow involved in illicit activity and by using the mixer, you get a token. It seems like it would be kind of like walking around with a big badge on your chest that says, hey, I might be a criminal. You should come investigate me. I don't know that I'd want to have that in my wallet, right? That's kind of how I would think about it in a very, I'm being practical about people wanting to use these mixers in a very functional way. But I think that it could also be seen as an attempt to maybe bring legitimacy Uh, somehow to the use of mixers. I think that increasingly, we've even heard conversations of people saying that that even though they're not illegal, that they're not comfortable accepting money from mixers. We've put out research like this to show just how fundamental mixers are to laundering. 
And it does work to give mixers a bad reputation. So maybe there's this countervailing effort to restore the legitimacy around the use of mixers by having governance tokens that people can participate in. It's probably a little bit of a marketing effort (laughs) to do to issue a token. So it could just be a reaction to reclaiming some sort of power around the narrative with mixers. But I do find myself in a lot of conversations trying to be like, when would you legitimately use a mixer? (laughs) Like just really trying to play out all the scenarios. And there are, of course, many and they're not illegal. But you have to get creative with those scenarios. We've also seen some technological innovation happening in the mixer world, right? Like we've kind of talked about them as being, oh, it's just this one function that breaks the chain of custody, the on-chain analysis of a flow of funds. But there's actually a couple different types of mixer. Maybe it's worth sharing some of that info. So there's basically three main types of mixers that we talk about in our blog. Centralized mixers, coin join mixers, and smart contract mixers. And then we've had some discussion about some bridges, whether or not those might be considered a mixer just because of the function that they offer. So start with the centralized mixer. This is a lot like an exchange, right? Mm -hmm. Where I send my funds to somebody that notionally I trust, but I lose control over my digital asset in that model, right? In the same way that you you deposit funds at a centralized exchange, the exchange now has kind of operational control over those assets. Same idea, right? Yeah, they take custody of your funds and therefore there is some risk to the user in the sense that there is a record of the transactions that have happened because of the introduction of custody into the process. So you really have to trust who you're sending it to. And I know that in the world of illicit activity, trust is generally in in low supply. So this was probably not an ideal technical solution. Then we saw the rise of coin join mixers. Can you maybe explain how, how those work? A coin join transaction, it's a tactic used by mixers. And it has basically built in mixer capabilities in which a group of users send their funds and receive back a mix of each other's funds in a series of transactions. So my wallet has a special button I can press that says mix up my money and other users have presumably done the same thing. Exactly. Uh, An atomic transaction fires off. So I walk away with the same amount of funds in my wallet, but the source of those funds is now different than it appeared previously. I've got your Bitcoin and some random other person on the internet's Bitcoin in with my Bitcoin. Yeah. And it's non-custodial, so it all happens in one transaction. And then that leads to the final type of mixer, which is the smart contract mixer, which is similar to the coin join mixer in the sense that it's non-custodial. Everything is settled via a smart contract, but it doesn't happen in one transaction. You can decide the pace of the transactions getting paid out. Smart contract mixers are something that we've really seen thrive and take off this year. The share of all activity that's going to mixers on the Ethereum side of things has really skyrocketed compared to Bitcoin. And it doesn't rely on having a particularly special wallet to facilitate this, right? It, it's just like any other smart contract on Ethereum in that, you know, fully programmable in terms of the money transfer. But I could connect to one of these smart contract mixers with my MetaMask wallet. Like I don't need to use any particular flavor of wallet in order to, to operate with it. 
Yeah. And I think from a user experience, you might not notice the difference between many of these other than the timing of when you get your transaction and maybe the fee you pay. But one thing that we've talked about in the past is many users might not know the difference between these mixers. How do you know something's not just a scam? And they say they're a mixer. And how do you know, okay, this mixer uses a coin join inbuilt wallet. And so there is some, this kind of speaks to knowing which type of wallet to of mixer to use and being able to almost self audit the capabilities of the mixer will also speak to the level of sophistication of the people using them. Even if you're a criminal, you're not free from worrying about scams and fraud and no. crypto is what you're <laughs> telling me, I think. That's amazing. Well, we're going to have to keep an eye on this. You know, seeing, seeing the trend up to 50 million a week, it seems to be pretty correlated with the surge in DeFi hacks that we've seen as well, right? I mean, that number is way up this year compared to last year. It seems to be driving an equivalent amount of laundering activity from our friends in North Korea. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you hack a exchange, yeah. you get thousands of tokens that all are offered on different services. So you're kind of forced to, your hand is a little bit forced in how you then choose to launder your funds. So yep. we'll see, sometimes hackers are forced to go use decentralized exchanges first in order to get more liquid assets and then they'll use mixers. So the surge in hacking has really changed the landscape of money laundering, at least in terms of absolute value that we're seeing criminals using certain off-ramps. And since we're already seeing that 2022 is probably reaching all-time highs for hacking again, it's going to be really interesting to explore this at the end of the year. Awesome. We'll uh, definitely talk more about this one. I can sense a, uh, a whole section coming in our crypto crime report on this topic. I think, I think so. <laughs> Kim, it was great to have you on as always, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Key. We're releasing new episodes weekly, so if you liked what you heard, then don't forget to subscribe, review, and of course, share with your friends. Here's something to consider while you wait for our next one. Way back in 2019, one of the longest running crypto mixers, Bitcoin Blender, voluntarily shut down its operations with a very short message to its users. Bitcoin Blender is shutting down. Please withdraw. Just before its servers were taken offline. Although no formal explanation has been given by operators, industry leaders believe this was in response to Dutch authorities shutting down another popular mixer, bestmixer.io, just weeks prior. Bestmixer was hugely popular, but reported to be an instrument for money laundering. Finally, don't forget to grab a copy of the Chainalysis State of Web 3 report or watch the on-demand webinar. Links to both are in the show notes.